0: Chapter 1. Clarify Your Objective Begin main engine burn for final planetary alignment, instructed the Mission Command Shift Supervisor. The day is September 23, 1999. Ten months ago, the Mars Climate Orbiter probe was launched from the east coast of Florida on a one-way ticket to Mars. This probe was designed to study the climate of the Martian atmosphere and look for signs of water vapor a key piece of the puzzle in the search for signs of life on our closest celestial neighbor. Main engine burn commence, replied the navigation technician. It would only take 16 and a half minutes to properly position the probe into orbit around the big red planet. 16 and a half minutes until the mission, several years in the making, could properly begin. Four minutes after initiating the final burn, the probe stopped transmitting. That's odd, thought the technician. We should still have a couple more minutes before we lose radio contact. Hey Bill, the technician said to his supervisor, I'm having trouble with the radio signal. Bill walked over, carrying the stained coffee cup that seemed to stay permanently attached to his right hand, and stooped over the computer console. What seems to be the problem, asked Bill, taking a rather loud and satisfying slurp of the dark brown liquid. Trying not to sound overly concerned, the technician took a deep breath and responded. We stopped receiving the signal from the probe two minutes earlier than we were expecting. Are we sure those guys in engineering gave us the right trajectory? Absolutely, Bill quipped. You know how they triple-check those figures. It's probably just some signal interference. We'll pick it back up when the probe circles around Mars and we reestablish radio contact. Well, that's a relief, sighed the technician. I'm glad it's not anything serious. Bill patted him on the shoulder and moseyed back over to his desk. The technician, relieved that his worst fear would not come to pass, decided it was safe to return to his turkey sandwich. It would take the probe 21 minutes to make its way around and reappear on the other side of the planet, having completed its final orbital adjustment. No need to forego snack time. 21 minutes later, having finished his sandwich... The technician watched his computer screen, waiting for the familiar signal he'd been tracking for the last nine months to reappear. Nothing. He tried re-entering the instructions, punching each key in a staccato-like fashion, so as not to mistype. Still, nothing. Bill? Stammered the technician. Bill looked over, this time a little more concerned than before. Did you pick up the transmission, he asked. Very slowly, the technician shook his head. The next words to come out of Bill's mouth were not suitable for a Christian audience. Why does your group exist? Here's the deal. Without a clearly defined goal or destination in mind, your group will not achieve the results you want. You may succeed in showing up and meeting together, but that's about it. This may be where you're stuck right now. However, when you can clearly articulate your group's objective, where you are going, and how you plan on getting there, you'll have a roadmap that will help you achieve everything you are hoping to achieve. Not only will everyone in your group finally be on the same page, a feat in and of itself, but you'll have a filter for determining what your group is about, and, more importantly, what it's not about. Getting every person in your group to embrace the purpose behind your group is the first step to have a thriving small group. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's make sure we're speaking the same language, shall we? Small group equals small ministry. The first thing to know about a small group is that it's really just a small ministry. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul gives us the following illustration. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Paul uses the human body as a metaphor to describe Jesus' relationship with his church. Big C Church, not just your local congregation. Christ is the head, and we are its limbs, ligaments, and tissues. Your small group, your ministry, is a part of that body as well. It is an essential part of the body of Christ, and it's important to see it that way. Leading a small group isn't a hobby. It isn't something you're doing on the side just for the heck of it. You want it to be impactful. You want it to move people closer to God. This is only possible when you lead and act in an intentional and purposeful way. What is a ministry? A ministry is a group of Christians working together towards a common goal that advances the kingdom of God. Seems pretty simple, right? Some ministries are big, some are small. Some have buildings, others don't. Regardless, your small group plays a big role in the kingdom of God on earth. There are two specific ideas within this definition that are critical to understand moving forward. First, it's important for everyone in your group to work together. To see the power of unity, look no further than the Tower of Babel. The Power of Unity Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, "'Come, let us build ourselves a city "'with a tower that reaches to the heavens "'so that we may make a name for ourselves. "'Otherwise, we will be scattered "'over the face of the whole earth.'" But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, "'If as one people, "'speaking the same language they have begun to do this, "'then nothing they plan to do "'will be impossible for them. "'Come, let us go down and confuse their language.'" so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. At the end of the story, God decided to confuse their language and scatter them across the face of the earth. But that is not what's noteworthy. What's really incredible about this story is that even though these people wanted to do something that God did not support, they were succeeding. In fact, if God had not intervened, they might have even achieved their goal of building the tower in the city as monuments to themselves. Pretty crazy, right? Now, don't get me wrong. The moral of the story is not to go off and build a monument in your honor to get God's attention. The reason this story is powerful is because it clearly displays the power of a group of people working together towards a common goal. This is the power of unity. When you have a group of people that are unified, you can accomplish more. Think about the last time you tried to pick up something really heavy, something you couldn't lift by yourself. Maybe you gave it a couple of tries before calling for reinforcements. Once two or three friends show up, it's a totally different ballgame. What was impossible before, at least without a major back injury, is now a piece of cake. Together you are able to accomplish so much more than any one person can on their own. Jesus understood the importance of unity. Look at what he prays in John 17 towards the end of his life on earth. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. John 17, verses 22 and 23. Jesus' prayer was that our small groups, our ministries, and our churches would achieve the kind of unity that Jesus experienced with God. It is to God's glory when we are unified. Few things make God happier than seeing his children getting along and working together to bring others into the fold. In addition to this, when we are able to achieve this level of unity, the world notices. It is an extraordinary thing to witness people from different walks of life rallying around a single purpose. When we are unified, we can be an effective light for the rest of the world. But without unity in your small group, without working together, you won't make much of a difference. Instead, it'll feel like 10 people tied together, each setting off in a different direction. But learning to work together is just the first half of the equation. It doesn't help to be unified if you end up somewhere you don't want to be. You need something that you can work together towards. And that's where we come to the question you are about to answer. What is it you are trying to achieve? Why does your small group exist? Many churches have small groups. Few have effective ones. It sounds like a good idea on paper. If you want people to be friends with each other... Maybe we should put them together in a room and see what happens. Surely it'll work. But it's not enough to just put all the ingredients into the same mixing bowl and expect a cake to pop out. It's not enough to throw all the football players you need onto a field and expect to score a touchdown. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have the plays in place to get you to the end zone, you're not going to make it. Your small group needs a clear objective, a clearly understood reason for existing elements of a clear objective when you go to the archery range there are an infinite number of directions that you could shoot your arrows but that's not the point of archery the point of archery is to shoot your arrow and hit the center of your target think about your small group's objective as the bullseye your group is trying to hit the first decision you'll need to make In order to have a clear objective is to decide what your niche will be. A niche is the specific person, or type of person, you're going to help. The temptation is to be overly broad with your ideal group member. After all, you want to help as many people as possible. Ironically, when you try and help everyone, you handicap your ability to help anyone particularly well. Your group becomes like a Swiss army knife, It has everything you can think of, but because it has everything, it's compromised in its effectiveness to do any one task. Much better to use a Bowie knife than that little blade sandwiched between a screwdriver and a bottle opener when you need a sharp edge. In the same way, it is much better for your group to be excellent at serving one kind of person instead of being mediocre at serving everyone. Identifying the specific person your small group will be designed to help is the first decision you need to make to craft your objective. Secondly, once you've identified your niche, think through what kind of problems they are facing. What is getting in the way of their spiritual growth? What is stifling their relational, emotional, and spiritual health? What are they going through that you wanna help them overcome? This may just be helping people grow closer together by building friendships. Maybe it's being in an environment where they can be themselves and feel like they're part of something big. But it will probably be much more specific. We'll dive into some examples in just a little bit. Finally, you want to identify the solution you're going to offer. How are you going to help that person overcome that problem? If you've done this right, the answer is not God, Jesus, the Bible. Remember, you're trying to help a specific person with a specific problem So you want to be intentional about the solution you're offering. It would be weird if a doctor prescribed you a generic medication before taking the time to figure out what was wrong with you. The same mindset applies to your small group. You want to tailor the solution to the specific person you're going to be serving so that it makes a lasting, positive impact. Settling for a generic answer won't get you the results you're looking for. The more effective the solution the more effective your small group will be in transforming people's lives. Crafting your objective. When you combine these three elements, you can create a clear objective for your small group. It looks something like this. We are going to help our niche overcome a problem by focusing on a solution. Let's run through a couple of examples to see what an effective clear objective looks like. The first example we'll examine is for a men's purity group. We are going to help single men overcome sexual addiction by focusing on deep relationships, vulnerability, and accountability. The niche for this small group is single men. You could just say men, but single men and married men have slightly different struggles. By focusing on single men, the solution this group offers will be much more impactful for its members. The problem this group is devoted to addressing is sexual addiction. Sexual sin is a big problem in our churches, certainly big enough to warrant a group devoted to addressing it. Now that the niche and the problem have been identified, coming up with the right solution is much easier. This leader understands that by focusing on relationships, vulnerability, and accountability, the men in this group will have a fighting chance in their struggle against sexual temptation. One of Satan's greatest weapons is isolation. So by focusing on community among a group of men that can relate to each other, that weapon loses its effectiveness. This isn't everything that this group will talk about, but this is the main focus. If this leader isn't able to make a significant dent in the purity of the men in this group, they're not achieving their stated objective, and the group is failing to do what it was initially designed to do, but now that they've created a clear objective, when someone new joins the group, they'll have a clear understanding of what their group is for and who it's designed to help. In other words, their expectations will be in the right place. And that's half the battle. Let's look at another example. We are going to help families with young kids overcome spiritual and relational disconnect by focusing on godly parenting and one another relationships. The niche of this small group is families with young kids. Not families with kids, but families with young kids. That level of detail makes a big difference. The problem they're seeking to address is spiritual and relational disconnect. It's easy for families with kids to have overstuffed schedules, think soccer practice and piano recitals, and become trapped in their own social bubble. This leader is tailoring the focus of the group to help them overcome that disconnect. It's not good to be isolated, so that's the problem this group is going to tackle. The solution this group has come up with is to focus on godly parenting and one another relationships. Notice that godly parenting isn't a good solution if you're trying to address a different niche, but when you take into account that these families have young children, bringing godly parenting into the forefront is a must. One another relationships will help the parents stay connected with each other and develop the community necessary to facilitate strong spiritual families. This is what a clear goal would look like, or could look like, for a small group tailored to meet the needs of families with young kids. The last example we'll look at is for a young married small group. We are going to help young married couples overcome spiritual and relational isolation by focusing on healthy marriages, Serving others, and spiritual maturity. The niche here is young married couples. Ideally, they'd all be within a certain age range, say 25 to 35, with no kids. The more specific you can be, the better. It's common for young married couples to develop a social cocoon around their relationship, becoming enthralled with their newfound freedom to the detriment of their spiritual growth and pure relationships. If you've ever noticed a dating couple who fell off the map once they got married, this is what's happening. This is indeed a problem worth tackling head on. As a solution, this group will focus on developing healthy marriages, serving others, and spiritual maturity. Each of those elements, when joined together, form a well rounded approach to godly living in this particular stage of life. Not only will these couples avoid stagnating spiritually, they should actually do quite well. What happened to the probe? The days following the probe's disappearance were a blur. The engineers at NASA pulled out every trick in the book and exhausted every option to re-establish contact and discover what went wrong. But eventually, they had to come to grips with reality. Two days after losing connection with the Mars Climate Orbiter probe, NASA declared the mission a total loss. The investigation board discovered the software used to determine altitude and control the probe's orbit had been written using English units, not metric. This mishap meant that when the orbiter should have been 226 kilometers from the surface on its final approach, it was actually 57 kilometers. Too close to stay in orbit, the probe descended closer and closer to the surface, until finally it crashed into the Martian wasteland the probe never stood a chance, and it all stemmed from one group not being on the same page as the others. Take the next step. Now it's your turn. Decide who your niche will be, the problem you will help them overcome, and the solution you will offer them. Once you do that, you can craft a clear objective for your small group. Once you're clear about the purpose of your group, Everything else will become much easier. Answers to fuzzy questions like, what should I talk about this week? Where do we need to grow? And how can we move forward? Will come into focus. You will no longer feel confused about how you should address the needs in your group. You'll know what you are trying to do. You'll know who you are trying to help. And you'll know how you're trying to do it. Being able to clearly communicate the goal of your small group will not only help you as a leader, but will help every single person in your group as well. Everyone will be on the same page and will be focused on the same objective. When that happens, the members of your small group will have a better understanding of how they can personally contribute to helping the group move closer to the goal. You don't have to do everything by yourself anymore. Leaders need help, even really talented ones, and having a clear objective is the first secret to build the foundation of a thriving small group. You can download the clear objective handout at unlockyourgifts.org forward slash sgls handouts.